but I believe that the Lord has something for all of us this morning. And when I was praying about what to bring and what to, what to talk about, the Lord gave me one word, and he, at first he gave me a scripture, and I, and I went to the scripture, and that scripture is Romans 8. So if you do have a Bible or an electronic device, we'll be in Romans chapter 8 today. But as I was praying and as I was seeking the Lord on what to say, the word assumption, assuming, kept coming to my heart. And so I assumed that I knew what he was talking about. <laughs> and really, um, you know, because there are two kinds of assumption, can't we? Don't we know that? This is my little graphic here, the gallery of assumption. I, I don't know, I just, I like pictures. I'm a teacher, so I know that people learn in all sorts of different ways. So some of you are learn by hearing, some learn by seeing, some learn by acting it out, and all that stuff like that. Um, don't have anything for you tactile if you have to feel stuff, but um, hopefully some of the graphics will um, just speak to you as well. Go ahead and let's go to the next slide, please. Assumption. There's two kinds of assumption. The first one is a noun, and it is something taken for granted, a supposition. Like, I assume that I knew what the Lord was talking about when he said, assume. <laughs> it's the act of taking for granted or supposing. But the second definition of assumption is the act of taking to or upon oneself. The act of taking possession of something. So I can assume someone's debt. So my, let's say my daughter has a debt. As her parent, I can assume the debt. I can take the debt upon myself so she no longer has to pay it. See what I mean? It's a taking on of something. You assume it. You take possession of a car. If I buy a car from my friend Carmen, I would go to her house and I would assume the car would take it to myself and I would drive away. All right? We got the two definitions. One is a, oh, I assumed that they were thinking this. And the other one is a, I'm taking it on and into myself. Okay. Those are the two that we're going to touch on today. Let's go to the word. Romans 8.1 in the New King, New King James Version and Romans 8.2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, I know this isn't a new scripture to many of us. We often hear like the, you know, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It's one that the Christian community kind of throws around a little bit. But we usually stop there. And here's where the challenge came to me. The Lord says, I haven't stopped there. He goes on. He says that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The very first thing I want to point out is that when we walk with the Lord, it's a process. So all of the things that are going to follow this, it's a process. All right, let's just keep that in the back of our hearts as we hear from the Lord this morning. Now, if we're in Christ, we are forgiven. Amen? Right? We're forgiven. So that's done. We bring it to the Lord. We're responding to a sacrifice. We live our lives submitted to the Spirit of God. That's what it means to walk with him in the Spirit. We submit our lives. It's a day-by-day, moment-by-moment process. We can also do the other that's, that's 
talked about here. We can submit to the flesh. We could submit to our wants. We could submit to those things. Yeah, that sounds good. For me, let's just be real. Okay, I love donuts. <laughs> I'm just, right? I love donuts. God's helping me try to make better. Yeah, I know. I'm the only one, right? Thanks. Thanks for leaving me. I know, really. Yeah. Okay. So I'm the only one that was like, close the Krispy Kreme. <gasps> so I'm not saying it was a righteous prayer, but it was a prayer nonetheless. And so here's what it looks like in the life of Christina when I'm struggling with the donut flesh. Oh my gosh, the donut. Did you see the donut? Don't eat that donut. You don't want that donut. You're going to get grouchy in five minutes when your sugar drops. <laughs> I'm keeping it real, guys. This is really what happens. Don't eat the donut. La, 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 nom, nom, nom. <laughs> and I devour the donut. So that is an example of me living according to my flesh. My flesh wanted the donut. My flesh wanted the donut. That's the bottom line. I wanted it because it tasted good. Was it going to do me harm later? Uh-huh. Would I be grouchy and probably affect the other people around me later? Mm-hmm. Did I care? Mm-hmm. Because in that moment, I wanted that donut more than I wanted to listen to the Spirit of God. Now, you might be saying to yourself, really, Christina, God talks to you about donuts. God talks to you about whether or not to eat donuts. Yeah. If it's a real struggle, yes. Don't judge. If it's a real struggle, whatever it is, whether it's donuts or adultery or lying or gossip or fear or, come on now, we're the ones that put the gauge on sin. We're the ones. But it's all walking according to the flesh. So we're talking about submitting and surrendering to the Spirit of God. We live our lives submitted to our wants, if we're in the flesh, but to the Spirit as we walk with him. Now, there's a couple of roles that we assume when we walk in the flesh. The first one I want to touch on today is the role of Savior. Anybody been there? Talked about assuming the role of Savior. We work really, really hard. Okay, Lord, my sister needs to be saved. Okay, my sister's saved. My sister needs to be saved. Okay, okay, let's see, let's see. Okay, she really needs to be saved. All right, well, okay, I can send her this track. I can, I can um, you know, whenever we talk about, you know, she, she drinks a little too much coffee, too. We can talk about that. And here I started working up all this laundry list of what she needs to do to get saved. Right? Or how about Savior as, maybe not necessarily salvation Savior, but how about Savior like, that looks like, you know, if I'm just, if I just do this more, then, then he'll really see that God's real, and he'll really see that, he'll really make that choice for Jesus, because if I can do this, and this, and this, and this, if I can keep the house clean, and the kids quiet, and then he'll, he'll know that God's real, and I've just assumed that role of Savior. I've taken that role upon myself, and what happens is I work hard, I work hard. I have good intentions. Salvation. Is that God's will that somebody gets saved? Uh-huh. Is it God's will that somebody is sanctified or transformed into the likeness of Christ? Uh-huh. 
But what I do when I step into that role is I block the view of the cross. I block it. Because I've now, la la. The problem is, when you step into that role of whatever it is, all they get is you. All they get is you. All they get is me. Outside of the power of the Holy Spirit, outside the anointing of God, we're dust. You know, I don't mean that like as a way to, pour me out, I'm nothing but dust. I don't mean it like that. I mean it. It's okay to laugh, guys. It's okay. <laughs> Say it's okay to laugh. I don't mean it like that. But in and of ourselves, I have no power to transform anyone. I don't. Wish I did. I wish I could say, be saved in the name of Jesus and bring, right? Save your fairy, twink. Doesn't happen like that, does it? Okay, so as, the, as we re- assume the role of Savior, we work hard, we work hard, we do good, we go to church. We've got lots of stuff on our checklist. We've got a prayer closet and check, 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 and we're doing well and we get tired. This is what we look like. No, God, I got this. I got it. Right? Your burdens are so heavy, you can't even move. You take on so much because if I'm good enough, then oh. I can get out of this. Oh, I can't get out of this. Our efforts to carry our own burdens and save ourselves or save others. It's not how God works. Not how God works. The problem with working so hard and working so hard and assuming that role of Savior is that it's never enough. It's never enough. Because in and of ourselves, remember, we've got nothing. (laughs) We don't have anything. So this is what we look like. No, yes, but go ahead and change it again for me. Aha! The Holy Spirit is often referred to as the water of life. Heard that? Let's think about that for a second. When I'm in my flesh and the Holy Spirit is flowing through me, I become a filter for that message. If I am in the flesh, that's what my filter looks like. If I'm in the flesh, if I'm working it out, I'm trying to, you know, if I'm I'm good enough, trying real hard, if I pray, if I only pray enough, then, then. The problem with that is that that becomes their idea of what Christ really is. When we walk in the Spirit, God unstraps us from that upside-down donkey (laughs) burden, right? He takes them, lay them at the foot of the cross. We listen to the Holy Spirit moment by moment, laying it down, laying it down. Same thing. Sometimes every five minutes, right? Out. Out, negative self, self-talk. Out, stop, in the name of Jesus. Laying it down, laying it down, laying it down. When we 
allow the Holy Spirit to work through us in a manner that we're submitted to him, then the water that comes out is pure. Do you see? See the difference? Assuming the roles. You don't want to do that. So, oh, and my dear brother actually brought up another point to me during the, the break time. He said, you know what else? What else is, um, is gets messed up in, in the, all this? Imagine the amount of Holy Spirit that would go through that yucky filter. The actual flow would be stopped up too. So it's not only worse water, it's less Holy Spirit. Because it gets stu- stuck. That one. We want to stay, stay in the Spirit. Stay listening. Stay submitted. All right, let's go ahead and go back to the Word. Romans 8, 3 and 8, 4. For the law could not do... Let me start again. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There he says it again. You know, whenever you're reading a passage and God says it twice, It's not because he needs to be reminded. It's because he really wants us to get this. This is good stuff. If we'll grab hold of it and walk daily, daily, daily with it, oh my gosh, it's so freeing because we allow the Lord to be the Lord and we step out of the way and just, Jesus, it's about you, Jesus. You see, because the law was weak. It was weak because it required people, right? I have to fulfill the law of myself. When the law was first given, we had to obey, you know, the Ten Commandments. And, okay, got to be good. Okay, I'm not saying don't obey the Ten Commandments. Nobody walks, Christina says, I don't have to obey the Ten Commandments anymore. That's not what I'm saying. God knew that the law wouldn't be able to save us. Can I tell you that? He knew that. He already knew. The law was given so that the people would understand what it would take for us to be in relationship with God. God was saying, this is what I require of you as a people. This is, these are my requirements for us to be in relationship like we were before. But he knew that we couldn't do it. That's why he sent Jesus. He was already planning it. Have you ever tried and tried and tried and tried to stop doing something and just couldn't? I'm, again, I'm the only one, really? Wow. I'm at the wrong place. Okay, so I'll just talk to myself then. Okay, self. You know when you've tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to stop doing something or to do something in a different way or, you know, every time I talk to that person, I just get so mad. And you go, man, you talk to your teeth. I do that with my kids sometimes. Oh, don't touch that! Oh, don't touch that! Some, some people have kids that are just like, they walk along and they're little, like little ducklings. Mine are just crazy. I love them. I love them. 
but they're, they're wild. They're wild. We'll talk a, a little bit more about them in a second. <laughs> what we do is we beat ourselves up when we can't stop something or when we try and transform our own hearts. Or worse, we beat others up because they can't stop something or change their addictive behaviors. Let's go ahead and change the slide to this. Our efforts to work our way out of gossip, lying, gluttony, adultery, stealing, pride, addiction, anger, depression, fear. Hint, trying harder doesn't work. Doesn't work. When we assume that we have that ability to free ourselves from our own prisons, to free ourselves from our own addictions, to free ourselves from our own behaviors or our own mindsets or our own way of judging people or seeing the world, or when we assume that and we assume the role of, I can get this out, we, we start going, okay, now if I just go to church, I'll take the, the key of going to church and try and unlock my door here. No, no, okay, that didn't work. Um, well, how about the, the, the key of, um, of being a really good person? What if I pray, if I just pray enough, maybe that'll let me out. Or wait, how about this? How about if I, if I don't ever spend time with that person, then I won't be tempted. If I never ever get on the computer, then I won't be... Right? The only problem is it doesn't work long term. It might work for a while, but what needs to change is inside. And that only comes when we learn to walk according to the Spirit. It only happens when we learn how to, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, God, I really need your help right now, I really need your help. When we stop, we stop giving into the compulsion, that first thing that says, oh, no, okay. God, I'm choosing. Right now, I'm choosing. Right now, I'm choosing you. Right now, I'm choosing not the flesh. Right now, I'm choosing the spirit. I'm choosing the spirit. Jesus, help. But if I just pass this test, if I just, if I just stick with it a little bit longer, then God will get me out of this mess. Then if I'm just good enough, then maybe he'll heal my friend. Or if I pray enough, then maybe... I believe that we can come to a God who absolutely has the power, the will, the desire, the delight in answering our prayers. He absolutely answers our prayers. But there is always a time element to every prayer, isn't there? Sometimes the time is now. Sometimes the time is a little longer. Sometimes the time element in eternity. God answers our prayers. The reason why I'm saying that is because sometimes we can also work up this thing like when we're praying for other people, 
that if I just dig down deep, okay, God, just, and we, we come to them, him, rather than declaring his word and declaring the truth over them, we come to him like almost like we're begging. Do you know what I mean? Please, God, please. 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 Right? I would submit to you that God has opened the door for us to boldly come into the throne room of grace through Christ Jesus. He says boldly. That's his word, not mine. So is this bold? Please, please. Or is it, no, in the name of Jesus, I just speak over that person. I speak health and wholeness and healing over you through the authority of Jesus Christ that he has given me through the cross, and I will not accept anything else in the name of Jesus. Devil, get off in Jesus' name. It's a whole different posture. No, I haven't stepped, when I get bold like that, I haven't stepped into the flesh because I didn't say, in Christina's name, right? In the name of my will. Right? I don't come on any, with any authority except what has been given. I submit that you have that same authority. And when we're praying for our loved ones, have you ever heard somebody say, Lord, I pray that they just hit rock bottom or wherever they've got to go in order so that they will turn around. You ever heard, hear somebody pray like that? Maybe that was you. I prayed it before, right? Can I submit to you something? God is powerful enough to save them from whatever they're in so that they don't have to hit rock bottom. They don't have to. It is God's will that they be saved now, today. It says today is the day of salvation. Not when they have finally learned how to turn. Because what, is that, what does that wording do? It also, it also puts it on them, doesn't it? Because when they learn and they can turn, when they have had enough, let me tell you what's wrong with that mindset. It's works-based. I submit that we pray according to the Spirit, walking with the Spirit. What is God saying? Lord, how should I pray? Lord, how should I pray? When we assume that we can free ourselves or free other people, it opens the door to the enemy because we start thinking things like, if you really love God, you'd be able to stop that really love God. If I really love God, I would, I would certainly be able to. If I can't, if I, get, if I can get over that, if I could quit smoking, psh, why can't they? If I could get out of that rela- kind of a relationship, why is Sally so-and-so just hanging around that loser? Uh Uh-oh. If he really loved me, he would do the dishes. If he really loved me, he would realize this is the 47th time in a row that I have done the dishes. And for the love of Pete, just do the dishes. If he really loved me, 
if she really loved me, she wouldn't push me away. If she really loved me, she wouldn't say that to me and make me feel small. If she really loved me, she'd respect me. If she really lo- See where it's going? We assume. I submit to you that that is walking in the flesh. Walking in the flesh. You know, I've, um, I have a family member who struggles with addiction. I have quite a few family members that struggle with addiction, actually. And this one certain person um, was a really, really good liar, too. So we knew that he had struggled throughout his youth and a little bit into his 20s. But then he had kids and a family. And although he'd met Jesus, he didn't really hang out with them much. And so he had this, like, decade where we all thought, yes. Wow. Making good choices. Good, good. Only we found out that he was still using meth, still gambling, still all these things. On the outside, it looked really, really good. But on the inside, he was still bound. Only he was praying things like, God, please, 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 please. Then doing all the same things. Moment. God, please, please, please. And when it came to actually living a life, he ignored the Holy Spirit. He was walking in the flesh. We are incapable of freeing ourselves in our own strength. Absolutely incapable. But even if we were capable, let's just say, for, just hypothetically, we still wouldn't have the right answers because we don't have God's scope. We don't see everything. Let's go ahead and go to the next slide. I love this graphic. I love it because it gives us a visual, a little kind of a little tiny, tiny. I bet in reality this bottom part is a lot bigger when it comes to God. But for our sakes, for all intents and purposes of this morning, take a look at that. There's always something that you don't know. There's also always something that I don't know. For my husband and I, we, that's a core value of ours. So whenever we're having a challenge or some kind of something like work, whatever, you know, and we're trying to figure something out, we'll stop and we'll say, okay, there's always something that you don't know. So what can we take? What little bit of truth can we take out of it? And the rest we have to leave at the foot of the cross because there's always something that we don't know. But the good news is, is that we serve a God who does know everything. And he says that if any of us lack wisdom, if we, if we don't know what to do, if we need clarity, we need whatever, if any of us lack wisdom, then we can come to him and say, God, I need wisdom. I need you to talk to me. I need you to tell me what to do. And he's going to give us the wisdom that we ask for liberally, more than we need, and without prejudice. So he's not going to say, okay, I'm going to give Pastor Wayne wisdom, but Pam, yeah, no, sorry. All right, the wisdom, wisdom ran out, Pammy. You're going to have to come back. Oh, I don't know. Is next Tuesday good for you? God doesn't work like that. 
we have to learn how to rely on the Holy Spirit. We have to learn to trust him, that he's going to guide us and trust that he's taking care of things. There are way too many variables. So when we, when we have this thing and we're kind of trying to figure it out and like we know it, what we're doing is we're assuming the role of judge. That's the assumption, like the putting on. We're putting on, I am now the judge. Unfortunately, it limits the Lord because we only look for what we can see, touch, feel, taste, hear, because that's all of our world. We're not listening to him. When we, limit, when we walk in the flesh and I'm now the judge, well, I don't see any evidence. There is no transformation here. Nope, none. See, no evidence. God works deep, deep, deep in every heart. Let me tell you something. Long before any of us came to know him, even if our salvation experience was like that, God was working on your heart from day one. Since the first time you drew breath, he was working on your heart. When we assume the role of judge over ourselves and maybe others, we start looking at things that we don't fully comprehend. It damages relationships. Pride and arrogance come in, right? We hold others to a standard based on their actions. Prove it. Prove it. Show me. I'm sorry, show me. I won't do it again. Show me. Right? Okay, now I'm not, I, I know I'm disclaiming right now, but I'm not giving you a license to be naughty <laughs> and say, well, she said you're not supposed to say show me. No, it's not what this is. We hold ourselves to a standard based on our intentions. Am I the only one hearing that? Because that one really got me. We hold ourselves to a standard based on our intentions, but we hold others to a standard based on their actions. So you know somebody who might be perpetually late, and that might be a trigger for you. They are late, 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 Lady Laterson. You're going to call him Lady Von Laterson. And Lady Von Laterson is just annoying because certainly it's a character issue, and not that they have five children and one car and the dog bit him and <laughs> other things, but you don't know that, right? Because you don't have the scope. They're just rude. I've assumed that role of judge. Grace is reduced to a way to dismiss others. I know this is up, but to dismiss others. Oh, well, I suppose I'll just extend grace. Come on. Now, it might not look as hoity-toity as that. But when you do, okay, well, I guess I'll just extend grace. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing, right? Grace is reduced to a way, of, a way to dismiss others rather than a divine extension of God's love. Grace is a divine extension of God's love. Okay, so what else? Well, eventually we sit in judgment over God. 
God, why did you make me this way? God, if you really loved me, you would have stopped me from entering this marriage before it got horrible. God, if you really loved me, you'd release me from this job because you know how miserable I am. We are judging him. Okay. I want to talk to that, um, about that just for one, one little brief moment. I was, I was here last week, and I get here a little early, a lot early, <laughs> and like, you know, open up the church and stuff like that. So I'm usually here between 6.30, 6.45 in the morning, and I'm walking around and doing all this stuff and turning on stuff and whatever, lights, AC, blah, blah, blah. And I was having a bit of a pity party, quite honestly. Not like, oh, I hate what I do. Not that. But the pity party of like, God, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm tired. I'm here by myself. I'm a people person. I like people surrounding me. That's my personality. So I was kind of just, and I wasn't even making that prayer. I was just kind of like grumbling in my heart. And I would tell, I can still see myself. I was right over there in the office and I was making copies for the worship team. And there was a sweetness. You know those times, maybe some of you don't know, there are times when the Lord just graces you with the ability to like almost feel him, like feel his presence. And I have to tell you, it dropped me to my knees. Because here I was assuming. I was assuming, I, I had assumed, well, I was, this was the other kind of assuming. I was assuming that lowly copier <laughs> for me by myself don't get me wrong i do i do business while i'm here too i i do i do business i'm i'm here i'm praying i'm worshiping in this room i'm declaring the word of the lord i'm it was just a tough it was just a tough morning for me but in that moment when i'm like lord why why am i doing this by myself he stopped me his sweet presence wrapped around me and he said you're looking at it with the wrong eyes. What? I've called you to a place of service. I, yeah, getting up early every Sunday, it's hard. It's not as hard as some things, but it's hard. But I've called you to a place of service. It's a place of honor, not of drudgery. If you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you learn to be a servant of all. That's what Jesus did. So when I stopped and I just began to weep before the Lord, I'm like, God, you're saying that I'm here by myself praying over these people because you trust me with that honor. Oh my gosh. Thank you for the honor of being able to serve. Thank you for the honor of being able to serve these people. Thank you for trusting me with the intercession 
Brothers and sisters, can I submit to you, some of you are in hard places much harder than mine. You've been at thankless jobs for years. And God is telling you this morning, I trust you to be the light in that situation. We've, we have this habit of thinking, well, if I haven't been promoted, then I must still need to learn another lesson. Who said that to themselves before? Right? I must still have something else to learn. Well, yes, maybe. But there are also times when you have been faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful and faithful again and again and again and again, and you're still at the same place. God knows the dream of your heart. He hasn't forgotten you. He just now knows that you've been promoted inside to now carry the authority, the light that he has given you into that place that you so loathe. He's now honored you with the ability to step in as intercessor. To step in as the one who carries the majority. Because even if you're the only Christian in the company, you and God, are the, are the, you're the majority. So if you learn to walk in that place, in that location, in that job, in that family, in that whatever, listening listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. God will move mountains on your behalf. He will. He will. Because our service can quite frankly feel a little bit like this, can it? Like, Lord, not only does my candle, is my candle burning at both ends, but that rope's made of flammable material. <laughs> this candlestick gets any shorter, I'm falling. Woo, just FYI. can feel like that. And it's okay to ask God how long just as long as we don't fall back to the senses fall back to that place of the flesh where we fall into that role we assume the role of promoter like that we judge we decide when we should be moved or we decide when it should be finished or we decide when and what how long We begin assigning punishment to inappropriate situations when we do this. I must have done something to, to deserve blah, 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 right? Fill in the blank. We've all said that. Or, you know, like in the world I hear, well, I must have been a real stinker in my past life. <laughs> right? You hear that a lot. So it's a common thing. I must still need to learn something or I wouldn't be here this long. Wow, they must be a bad parent to be dealing with such a rebellious child. Hmm. Oh, this is one that really gets me. If I had enough if I had enough faith, then I wouldn't be sick. Or worse, if they had enough faith, then they wouldn't be sick. Yuck. That's all I gotta say. The problem with assuming the role of promoter in our lives is our eyes stay on the situation and a response 
in it. So it stays on the situation and what we're doing and working it out and trying and trying and wrestling and, and figuring it out. And okay, if I do this, A plus B plus C, then that will surely equal D. And then that will take me here. And that will, we run, 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 run down the possibilities instead of keeping our eyes on the Lord who's just saying, baby, stop. 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 <laughs> That was my best manly voice, so I'm sorry. Stop. Stop. When we allow the Lord to speak sweetly to our spirits and we stay in that place of hearing him, of walking in the spirit, remember what we said at the beginning, it's a process There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. You can claim that now, right? Say, that's a promise for me. Amen. Because when you're learning to listen to the Holy Spirit, it's a process. I joke around. I'm like, Lord, you know you have to hit me over the head with a two-by-four. Subtlety is lost on me. It's lost. <laughs> you t- yes, thank you. Thank you. Again, just me and you, right there. I'm surprised my husband's like, amen. <laughs> in the back. No, but sl- really, subtlety is lost on me. God knows how you communicate. Yay. And he's big enough to know how you need to hear something. So when you ask him, you can do so in a way that says, God, I know I'm going to position myself in a place of faith. I know that you are a God who speaks to your people. That's who you are. You said that I, ha- I get, can get all wisdom and clarity from you, and I can just come to you boldly. Okay, boldly, I can get wisdom. I can get clarity. You're taking care of it. I can trust you. Your character is good and pure and right. You have the scope. You are gracious and kind. All of those things. So my eyes are going to stay fixed on you, Jesus, because you are my source. And then the sweetness of the Holy Spirit's understanding will impress upon your heart. Sweetness of the Holy Spirit. When we set our minds and our hearts to purpose to be the light, to purpose to hear him, I am going to set myself in a place where, Lord, you know my frame. (laughs) You know what I'm made of. But in this moment, God, I just pray that you would take everything and you would assume lordship. So every assumption that I have had, since I've assumed the role of judge, I now rightly place it at the foot of the cross. All those times and those places that I've assumed the role of Savior, God, I lay it at your feet. I repent. I'm sorry. You alone have the power to save. God, when I have taken on that role of jailer or being able to set the captives free, 
God, I know you alone hold the keys to life and death. You alone. I give them all back. Because he assumed our debt on the cross. He took it upon himself so we wouldn't have to. So that we could live a victorious life. We can. As we learn to follow the whisper, it's a still small voice. Still small voice sometimes looks like a two by four for some of us. That's okay. Let's look at the last scripture. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. See? Hmm? But those who live according to the Spirit, things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Trying to work it out, you'll work yourself to death. You'll judge yourself to death, to loneliness, to all sorts of yuck. But when you purpose to be spiritually minded and you pause and learn, because it's a process, how to hear the Holy Spirit and follow him day by day by day, moment by moment by moment. We will have life and peace. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who need life and peace. They are trying so hard. When we surrender our will, we surrender our pride, we serve faithfully in a place of honor and secret, God empowers us for all of the things that he wants us to do in and through him. He empowers us. We allow Christ to assume the lordship. Then we're no longer the donkey holding our own burden, right? We're no longer the person sitting at the top of that iceberg going, God, it's cold. How long? How long? When God is Savior, then we are forgiven. When we allow Christ to assume the role of judge, his verdict for us is not guilty. When we give Christ back the keys, or actually when we recognize that he's had them all along, we experience his freedom. And lastly, as we surrender to the Holy Spirit and let him speak to us, he will work that muscle. It'll get easier and easier to hear him. Because he has given us himself. And he has empowered you to go into that dark place, to go and be the light. He has empowered you for every good work that he has called you to do. He's already done it. We just have to learn to listen. God loves you beyond anything you can ever imagine.